Good evening, Patriots, and it's the end of Monday, May 1st in the year 2023. East Coast, there you go, off into Tuesday before we even have to worry about it yet here. Interesting Monday, lots of things, and yet nothing unexpected from an insane world that's working upside down and sideways at the same time. But nonetheless, it's what we're becoming increasingly accustomed to in this crazy time. One thing that is for sure right now is we need to be getting good night's sleep. And of course, you know, to get a good night's sleep, the best place to go is MyPillow.com. MyPillow. They've got all sorts of great sales right now, too. Let's let Mike Lindell tell us about it. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. 
And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35, or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. And just like that, head on over to MyPillow.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, get some great products, check out the new MyPillow 2.0, which I absolutely love, and you will be happy. I had a great conversation before we started the show tonight. Um, someone most of you know, and that's uh, Jennifer Renee, who is an amazing prayer warrior. She was the one that did the 300 pots, handmade clay pots for the Bards Fest, which was in itself an amazing accomplishment. And it was an amazing experience. I was, so it's a lot of starting with that, just kind of a lot of reflection on what was accomplished in Bards Fest 1, which was in 2021, and that was in St. Louis. And I'll be honest, it was most of us that were at the core of that were pretty tired and exhausted after that Bards Fest. And for those that were part of it, the experience for us was different, myself in particular, because I had literally worked, and not exaggeration, about 15 to 16 hours a day between podcasts and that event. And it was just an exhausting event. And it took me, it's taken me quite a long time to really appreciate all that went on there. I've talked very positively about it because it is, but as we start to ramp up for now the new season of Bards Fest, which will begin with Yuba City, and then the second one will be in Fredonia, Kansas, that's in September, and then we're negotiating the space for Portland in October. Um, things are starting to come together nicely and it's a different kind of pace and feel, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's taken a while to really reflect back on what was accomplished in Bars Fest. And as much as I love the fact that we had a family event center with ice skating rink and a bounce house and we had the Ferris wheel and we had the mirror place and all of that was part of the package and we were all able to share it. And we had bands and we had the top speakers. Our mission was really about pressing truth and breaking through the, the structure of lie that had been this matrix in, of lies that had been pounded down our throat and to seek through that the greater purpose, which as I've told the story many times, it was, it was the awakening to me on the morning of Saturday, the third morning or the third, the beginning of the third day of the festival, which to remember that our focus was repentance. And we did repent and we pushed repentance and it was an amazing time, a lot of prayer, a lot of big shifts for me too because I really, I was put into the front spotlight as kind of the MC and transition voice for all that and just a lot of growth and learning all the way around. But one of those events that happened was the breaking of the pots of light. Very significant to recreate a moment in scripture and to do it with as much accuracy as we could with handmade clay pots and we used a little electric lights instead of actual candles. And so they were like little electric Boda candles. 
and we had the shofar players, which we had originally hoped to have 300, and we ended up having, I don't know what we had. It doesn't matter. It was, it was appropriate. One of those was a young man, a young boy who was disabled. He was in a wheelchair, and um, that was just very special, a lot of things. And we did make a difference. And I think that the testimony to that was how the festival ended, which, of course, we've talked about so much here, was at the end of the festival, when everything was over, there was a rainbow that broke out directly above the stage, which was phenomenal in itself. The, the point that we really had in there, there was some of the bigger lessons that I think as we look around right now, we have came to appreciate the power of prayer. And it's not like anybody didn't believe it. But I think when you witness something that profound of a rainbow in the middle of a blue sky that comes out right at the end of your festival, there was no doubt in anybody's mind what that was. That was God's confirmation and head nod that we had accomplished the mission. And it was a blessing. And it was truly an amazing blessing. And by other terms, we might even call it a miracle. And with that, I think that we are reminded as well in a deeper sense as I've reflected on this that God was giving us that nudge which really came out of Scripture is to remind us that we were eagles. And as Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And there's a lot to unpack in that. There's a lot to unpack in the principle of the metaphor of the eagle. One of the great things about the eagle is it soars, and it soars without having to flap its wings. Within that, we've walked a path increasingly, at least I have, and I think that we've shared that, of how it is to be led by the Holy Spirit and how to walk in Father's anointing and operating in such a way that we can fully accomplish the divine destiny that he has for us and that, the, and that he intends. And that takes listening. That takes intimate relationships. That, that takes a pursuit in him in a personal and special way. And it takes the embracing of the supernatural God. The supernatural God is critical. And I think that, unfortunately, many are timid to approach it. And I think that the idea of the love for God and the embracing of the authorities given by God are two different things. I shouldn't say two different, but it's two different stages. There's There's an enormous amount of love for God. But there isn't enough of the supernatural embracing of God, the pursuit of that run with him that brings us into the authorities that he's given to us and how he can work through us then in powerful ways. So the the question I often get is the how. How do we find that? And I don't have an easy answer to it because I think it's a, ongoing process of us humbling ourselves before him and and praying into things and listening and 
one of my critical things for my walk is to be honest with God. Not being afraid to question or to say things. And I've told you that story many times here of a moment in my life when it was the things were the worst. I was down on the farm in or the farm in Georgia and I literally just unloaded. I was walking around the out I knew where I can even see into this moment where I was walking on the farm talking to God and I just unloaded and and at certain points I was cussing like a sailor. And I just told God, I said, I there are times in my life that I'm not going to be polished. But I need to be able to speak to you with an honest heart. And I need to be able to speak to you about my anger, my frustrations, my pain, and not feel like I have to temper it. I need to be able to be just have the veneers ripped away and I can you can see me truly for who you who I am. And I and I said in that prayer that if you judge me for it and I'm to be judged and you'll let me know. And if this means that I'm somehow going to be cast out of your grace, then I'll accept that punishment because it, I'm trying to be honest and trying to grow in the process. I was, I've never been rebuked. In fact, I've only grown closer to him in the process. And I think it's that lesson for me that I'm sharing in part tonight is that the honesty that we have with him is what begins the process of us getting closer to him. And that allows that to open up. And there's such a hesitation to what I said because people will say, like, you actually you actually used bad language when speaking to God. And it's like, I was giving him where my heart was. And if you don't think he knew my heart before me, then you don't understand God because he knew exactly where I was at. And I told him I was going to do it. And I told him I would accept the responsibility for it. And I think that's the, the part there that is the honesty of it that we have to bring ourselves to at times. Because I, at least the way I've encountered faith up until that point was that we were supposed to talk a certain way, pray a certain way. And if we didn't, somehow we weren't going to get the benefits and yet if you look across the spectrum of faith and you look at how prayers are done, I shake my head too many times, like praying for money to pay a bill when it's like, okay, you're praying for your house payment to be made and that's a Babylonian structure and yet you want heaven to fix a Babylonian structure. I mean, I don't know how that works. And I've said this before, like if you're praying for money, praying for resources, they're not the same. God has unlimited resources. But I really don't think that when we're praying for dollars per se that heaven can even translate it because they're going to be like, you're doing what? It's like that's Babylonian. And that isn't to say that God can't solve some of these problems, but I think it's the intent and how we frame things. Part of this walk that we're in right now is supposed to be a challenge. It's, it's how we are refined and part of that is the expectation that we're going to be refined. So if we're going to be refined and we want to be refined, then no better way to be than to be honest with your heart because God already knows who you are. So don't try to lie about who you think you are. We create these personas that somehow like, well, I'm, I could never say that. When in fact, I can tell you most people I've run into will say that. And then in, their, in private or offline, they're going to be skanking it out at the lips, you know. 
we have to speak, as we speak with an honest heart, God works with us and heals it. That sets the foundation to create a very intimate relationship. It also allows us to learn from ourselves to be in a better place to engage others. And I'm big on engagement. You you know that. I, I believe that most of warfare in this type of warfare or for any, for that matter, really any sense of influence warfare is based ultimately as one on the face-to-face engagements. The progress that was made when I was in Afghanistan, the progress that I've made in business, these things were all based on engagements. Today at our door, a um, younger woman came up and very polite, well-dressed, and she was doing door-to-door marketing for her husband's roofing business. Very professional. And I really had a lot of admiration for it because I've done it. This is because I know how effective this can be. She left a positive impression is the point. And we have no need for her service, their services at this point. Um, but you're left with a very positive impression because somebody came and took a moment to talk and speak honestly and to present a very honest position about what they'd observed and what they offered. When I started my business in Portland, Oregon in 2000, it was the year 2000. So it was, uh, I was doing custom remodeling in basic and over time refined that to do high-end custom remodeling and then I was doing custom outdoor living spaces so that ridiculously expensive projects to build custom design trellises and fences and and outdoor barbecue areas and and I was I was good at what I did I was published in Better Homes and Gardens and I was published in a another garden magazine the work and designs that I did. And they were all my own designs. But that business started on a shoestring. And I re- I built my own business card, designed it. At that time, and before it was FedEx, it was Kinko's. I went to Kinko's and I was over there. There was a 24-hour Kinko's and I put together and did my business cards over there late at night. And I designed a different type of business card. It was a fold-in-half business card. And it had all the I had a bullet point of all the services, the key services that I was offering at that point in time. And when I got those in my hand, I walked. So if you don't know Portland, it's kind of hard to appreciate this, but basically I walked from up near the tip of the Pearl District all the way deep down to downtown. And then I walked across the bridges and over into Hawthorne area. And I met literally every business that had any relevancy, even remotely to what I was doing whether it was a garden store, a stereo store, um, anything that I thought I could make a contact with, furniture stores, lumber supply places. And I introduced myself, told them what I did, and handed them a business card. And it was through that contact that I made my first job in Portland through those series. And it was that job that led me to another job. And that gave me two good customer resumes. I didn't make any money on them. In fact, one of the guys even sat, I'll never forget this conversation. He looked at me and said, you way underbid this job, didn't you? I said, yep. And he goes, and I'm not going to pay you any more money either. I said, I know. He said, but what I will do is I will give you a stellar recommendation. 
And he did. He held to his word. And I got the job done. So with that, that launched me into one of the big breakthrough jobs I had. It was like my third job in Portland was a big breakthrough job of doing a massively massive fence and, and uh, portico and gate project that was really challenging and really high end. And that ended up getting published in garden magazines and so forth. And that kind of launched me on that path. But all that began with face-to-face contact. All of it began with taking the time to talk to somebody and tell them who I was and share with them my vision, my dream of what I was doing. And I was thinking a lot about this today because this is, it's been on my heart a lot about where we are as a nation and the difference that we are, these, this division that we're in and so much hatred. And yet at the same time, less, I don't know that there's as much hatred as there is people wandering and being misled. So Earlier today, I, and I know in the last hour, I can't remember if we played it. I think we played it in both shows today. Um, I think it was this piece by Matt Walsh, and it was an engagement with a young lady. And I'm not going to play it again tonight, but it was an engagement with this young lady that was very um, trying to explain how she felt that puberty blockers were a good thing to help resolve kids that were in gender dysphoria and Matt Walsh was just just handled it extremely well, but the conclusion was there's no possible way he could ever agree with her because castrating somebody does not solve a problem. What's interesting about that engagement isn't the fact that she's so off base, which she is, but it was almost, if you listen to it a number of times, which I have now, what I find fascinating is she's actually trying to seek approval and confirmation of her views. And that shows up because Matt Walsh doesn't just rip her to pieces, which would probably be my first instinct a lot of times. He walks her through the fallacies of her thinking and shows to her, the demonstrates to her the facts of what is correct and what isn't. And in the end, she's completely pulled back from her hard position. And she's basically understanding... Uh, you, by implication, she's getting a dose of, of red pill, right? So I go back to that place of us learning to walk in the Holy Spirit and us learning to walk in the anointing of Father and really soaring like eagles. We're all supposed to be soaring like eagles. And we begin in our communities and we reach outwards, but so much of what we're dealing with right now, it begins a process of healing when we take time to engage one another. What social media has done brilliantly is it's created this illusion that we're connecting. I'm not speaking on this forum. I'm talking of, you know, when we're people are on Twitter or people are on Truth Social or people are on Facebook, there's a real sense that they're engaging. But engagement isn't that. Engagement is a process of sitting face to face. And engagement is a process of talking to people. And engagement is a process of exchanging 
not only ideas, but it's also everything else that goes with language, which is body language and tone of voice and tenor, our presence, how we are, how we're spiritually present in a time, eye contact. I mean, all so many different things. It's all part of our language. So when you are engaging someone, you become much more focused on the little things of yourself. And that becomes really important. And it becomes very human. And it becomes very healing. For one, when we sit with people of opposite views and we start speaking truth, we'll know pretty quickly whether there's going to be a conversation or not because a lot of people get so agitated they'll walk away. Now, that's common now in our culture. It's not common really in anywhere else in the world, believe it or not. And I can... I can use that. I can use my testimonies when I literally sat with Taliban and had conversations with them. And we've had good conversations, even though we don't agree. And no one was trying to kill each other. We were having a real conversation. They didn't shirk and walk away. They stayed and listened, and I listened, and we made progress. Our world is not as complicated as we think it is. What it is lacking is the courage to do the simple things. There's obviously hard red lines. We've talked about that. I get pretty ferocious when I start thinking about some state official coming down and trying to tell a parent what they're going to do with their kids. Or in my case, even like trying to, if they had an idea of coming down and telling me what's going to happen to my parents there would be a very clear red line that if they crossed, I would finish that problem. And I, I'm very clear about that, and I don't have any angst with it. I don't have any concern with it. It would be made inordinately clear that these are the lines you will not cross. End of story. Not going to discuss it. Not going to have a negotiation. We're not going to sit down, and I'm not going to, you're going to say, well, I have a warrant, and I'm, I just, as the, it's like, speak to the hand or speak to the trigger finger. One of the two. So those, everybody, when I've talked about red lines, those are the sort of things I've really tried to emphasize is know where those are in your life and where you're willing to fall on your sword for the things that you absolutely will not cross. But this isn't that type of conversation tonight. And really where I've been looking here very clearly is in our own self. And to really understand how important it is to engage because how artificially divided we actually are. And with engagement, we start to learn about the deeper measures of problems. There's a lot of wounded people right now. And there are broken people, and those two are different. But it's the fact that we're dealing with a lot of that. And when we have wounded and broken people, and we're not willing to have a conversation to listen to somebody, to hear their story, we're not going to have an opportunity to heal the body of Christ. God sacrificed his son for us. And the, the penalty or the fee or the however you want to do that was paid with Christ's blood. And our responsibility right now is to continue that process. To, that's part of our payment is to continue in that fight. 
not to sit ap- apathetically on the side and wait for angels and Jesus to come. In fact, someone said something to me today that really struck me as on point, which is there's a number of visions. I've had one myself about war angels ready to go. But if we are not in the process of ourselves stepping into the leadership role to bring that action on the ground, war angels are just going to sit there ready to go. There is a battle brewing, a big one, but it really requires that we are walking within our anointing and walking boldly with that confidence. And that confidence in that ground army is built when we take time to listen to one another and start building past these bridges and gaps. And with that, it comes back to a simple task, love thy neighbor. Probably one of the most fundamental rules, guidances, blessings, however you want to phrase that, that Christ gave us. Love thy neighbor like thyself. Love thy neighbor, period, end of story. And if we don't get to know our neighbor, how can we love our neighbor? So we've talked here about many of the door openers to engage Sourdough Revolution, which I'm so impressed with, with what's happening in Bard's Nation. It's amazing. I continue to get emails from people making sourdough and sharing sourdough. And it's a process. And it's a beautiful one because as we share bread, we break bread. And it's a door opener. It's a, but it's more than that because it's spiritual and it's in its very core. And it allows us to engage. That w- young woman today that was coming door to door, that takes some courage to go door-to-door to to sell a product. And it takes as much courage to go door-to-door and talk about faith, especially in a day when there's been so much, I would say it this way, so much damage done by door-knocking evangelism that invariably sorts down to building church numbers and not really sharing the word of Christ. But when we get to know the problem and become aware of the problem, then we have a new responsibility. And that's to raise each other up. And raising up to me are kind of two steps. I, actually, I would say it's three. We have to get past the crisis. We have to do triage. And we have to work with the triage to get someone to get to a place where they can have a moment of pause from wherever they are. And then we have that next phase, which is to complete the standing up so that they have a footing underneath them to be solid with, and now to build from. And then there's the community part of listening to the stories and building a community around them that will be help them become stronger in their love and faith in Christ and within the body of Christ that we share. So it's a three-step process. And we've done a number of these at different levels within our community and relatively successfully. We are spread out as a movement as a as lovers of Christ and I think this is God by God's design and his greatest blessing to us as we are spread out and I continue to encourage people to connect with one another because where we can at a, at a level of say this podcast elevate a problem and we have done this a number of times now very very successfully to where someone is in need and we are able to come together as the community to support each other and to raise that person up. Because ultimately, we are only as strong as the weakest link. And when we appreciate that, we start to value that that person where they are 
could easily be me. My most humbling part of my walk, which, as I've said many times, if you've ever listened to episode 64, that's my story, my testimony, I should say. But to be, I've been in a place where I have literally had nothing, and not once, but I've had it a couple, have a couple times in my life. It's very humbling, and I equally saw how through hard work in my faith, God would provide, and He would take away, and He would, re, and I would rebuild. I mean, I, I'm, I've learned not to be attached to material things. I'm blessed with what I have, and always be prepared whatever is needed to accomplish. Now, more than ever, the focus of where God wants me to walk. But I try not to let myself ever forget what it were, where it was when I was down. And many have been down, and you know what I'm talking about. Because when you get down, it doesn't just change overnight. And I think this is where, as a, as a community, this is where we can really shine. And we do a good job. I'm just highlighting this as a greater statement towards how we literally change this world. As we raise somebody up to get them onto a solid footing, and the many different ways that that can look like. We could, you can take somebody who's homeless or you can take somebody who's in a home. It doesn't matter. There's a point where each there's an opportunity to raise somebody up. But there also has to be a clear objective with that of what we're trying to look at. I've seen desperate emails. I had one sent to me today. And I, and I, and I have to process it differently, be, just process it steadily in prayer because in the moment of desperation when there isn't a lack of clarity of what is needed, everything is needed all at once. And that's not really the process. So in a, by working with somebody, many times we can help them find what that key need is and we can work towards solving that. And that's really the first step in getting somebody to be on their feet. And then there's this second part, which is to get that person to where they're solid. And it doesn't mean ad addressing all of the needs of an individual, but it does mean getting them to a place where in the metaphor of give a man a fish and he feeds his family for a night, teach a man to fish and he can feed his family for life. That's where we're headed, at least as I see the types of great ministries that can be done to empower and to build the kingdom. And as we spend the time to listen to someone's story and understand where they're at, to triage the situation, to get it out of crisis, and then to work with them to get them to a stable place where they're on that rock of Christ and have enough of the tools then to build, then that third level comes in brilliantly, which is to build a support community around them to pray with and to work with and to be for a communication to happen and for frustrations to be vented and to build each other up to an even higher level. Effectively, through wise counsel, we wage war. And I think that ultimately when we understand that principle more and more, that we're in a war, have been in a war since our birth, and we are waging war each and every day with every word and action we take, we begin to appreciate the criticality of what our lives are really about. Right now in this time, the war is very prescient. The war is surrounding us, and it's unavoidable for many. And it's not something that we talk much in metaphor or euphemisms, but we talk very specifically with some very real and tangible stories. 
I was talking to a special forces buddy of mine today and just making the comment that as things move forward, the special forces community has an enormous amount to offer to this country, not to a foreign land, but to this country because of how they work and the sort of skills and talents besides just warfare that they can bring in terms of leadership and talent and organization. But I also made the comment that I said that one of the challenges that the special operations community will face is realizing that many of the people that are out here now are more hardened in warfare than this than the special operator is himself. Not because you've kicked in doors, not because you've pursued high value targets, not because you've done a kill capture, not because you parachuted in at, at, with doing a hey-ho or halo jump some way back behind enemy lines and then did a, a 100 mile ruck to get into your target, none of that. It's because the fight that we're in has become visceral and real over the last three years and it's surrounded us and it is an everyday, every second fight that requires a mental agility and acuity that most people in these communities have never had to refine, not to the level we're talking about because in this warfare, there was no support group other than what we made ourselves. All of this is very important to appreciate because the talent that we have amongst our ranks is profound. And the capacity we have within this community is equally profound. Our ability to love and to support one another is profound. And our ability to mobilize resources is profound. In all of that, we need to never forget the most important tools that we have besides obviously the first being prayer, but the ability to listen and to support one another, even just through listening. And then to be able to work with each other to raise people up. We can't change the world, but we can change lives. And I've seen it happen in huge ways. And when we reflect on dollar figures and whether that dollar figure is $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, that may sound like a lot for somebody depending on where they're at. But when you look at how God works with each of those levels of money or whatever that is, profound changes can come in their lives. And in the end, we can sit back and say that really wasn't that much money to watch somebody completely become a greater voice in the kingdom of God. So our greatest action ultimately to me is begins within the community of Bard's nation, making sure that we're solid, each of us, making sure that we're building with each other, bringing people into the community, if you're so inclined, so that we can connect with them and share with them even more. And as we do, iron sharpens iron. And it's amazing when we do that. And as iron sharpens iron, we start to become the inspiration for others that many desperately need. So I go back to that girl that Matt Walsh was talking about. And and that snippet I had from the engagement, unfortunately, she's speaking on a mic to him and he's speaking on a mic to her. And all these things always happen this way. But what we miss And all of that is there was this person that was really seeking. She was trying to 
put her views up for the test with, and she wasn't hostile, though she was a little distorted in her thinking. She, in fact, tried to come prepared, and she said so in this. She said, I even looked this up before I came, and this is what I learned in my anthropology class or whatever it was. And the thing is, she wasn't lying. And we can mock at the thinking, but the fact is, that's what she was taught. And Matt Walsh's demonstration of this in a very clean and a professional way was to lay out clearly to her that her thinking was not, it, it was just foul, flawed by the very teachers that taught it to her. And there was an opportunity that was left then, evident by tone and, and just general in reaction, that this was somebody that was open to hearing something other, not just to be left hanging. So I'm going to bring this kind of back to ground now. We walk through our lives. We're busy, all of us. We have different levels that we are in our lives. It's where God has us, but it's equally part of where we have ourselves. We're only limited to a certain degree in kingdom by what we're willing to lean into Father. And that doesn't equate to material things, but in our emotion, in our emotional upheavals, that's a lot of us sorting through the world. And the more that we let go of this world and the more we lean into kingdom, the easier the walk gets. I mean, truly leaning into him and not just waiting for him to deliver, but us working with Father in that walk. So as we're moving around, and I'm thinking of that as I was moving around today and then thinking about this young lady and how easy it would have been to just blow her off in that engagement, I started to reflect a lot on our own world and our day, and in particular, our own community. How many get washed over each day. They just need someone to talk to and what a difference that would make in their lives. How many people do we see out that are in a dire situation these days in homelessness? And we always assume that it's always about money or even darker. Sometimes we assume it's about drugs. But how often do we think that it's just about saying hello and acknowledging somebody? We have a lot of lonely people out here. And the Holy Spirit works in an amazing way. It doesn't need to deliver a paycheck. It develops, it delivers the peace of heart, which is greater than any paycheck can ever be. There isn't a, an equation in a battle like this of how to win. But we sure have been given the field manual on the tools we have and can use to win. The field manuals are Bible, in the Word. The stories are immense and many. We have amazing people in our community, greatly talented and greatly committed to giving and gifting of the heart in many different ways. I begin tonight talking about Jennifer and her 300 pots. And that memory is so powerful and visceral of what that change is, what that moment is of literally reenacting a moment of scripture, breaking those pots and watching people be part of that process. 
we set up queues of people lined up to break pots. <laughs> and it was interesting because Jennifer saved a pot for me. I didn't, I didn't get a chance that night to break one, and we did it later after the event. All of that is about sharing stories. All of that is about engaging one another. All of that is about experiencing together a walk. All of that is about the body of Christ. And to me, those are the simplest ways we win this war. I hope, as most veterans do, that we don't hit a point of having to go straight-up tactical ballistic. I don't want to see that. I understand my red lines, and I understand that there's such a thing as evil that at some point is going to be brought to justice either by our hand or by God's, but either way, whatever God leads, we are going to bring him to justice. End of story. But that group of, is pretty small. The community of pedophiles seems large. It's just because they've managed to attract each other and recruit each other into the worst of places, which is all publicly funded pretty much. But there's an enormous amount of us. And that the division and isolation that has happened over the years to make us feel alone has left many damaged and wounded. So in sum of everything tonight, I would just encourage us all to pay a lot of attention to those that are hiding in plain sight. The invisible bodies and the invisible masses. It doesn't have to be a homeless person. It might just be somebody alone walking, pushing a shopping cart in in the store. To take time just to say, hey, God bless you. To take time to say, can I pray for you? To take time to say, how are you today? If you see someone in need, to, just out of the blue, do you mind if I pay for your groceries? Can I fill you, give you a tank of gas? I'm telling you, those are the moments that truly change everything. They change our hearts. They change the world. And you can almost feel heaven smile when that happens. We are broken as a people right now. I don't say we're unrepairable and we're wounded, many others, and I didn't say unrepairable. But when we're sitting over here as a remnant and we're looking at this walk and we talk often about, you know, sort of Exodus 2.0, we should be trying to build as many people into our ranks for that exodus as possible because if that trigger pulls and we decide to exodus, I'd love to see these elite fools sitting there holding nothing as we simply smile and walk away. And we can. And the most amazing thing is we don't have to do a big advertising campaign. We don't have to spend hours in trying to convince somebody of something. All it takes is a giving heart. All it takes is a cheerful giver. All it takes is acts of kindness. And all it takes is literally that good guidance to help somebody find their way and then to let them go, to stand back up and to 
pursue Christ with all they've got. It takes each and every one of us. It takes a community. But as we do this, if you're looking for an act to change the world, that's it. And when we steal the enemy's thunder, we strip away this effect of trying to put anger in our heart and division, and we start to shred all those things to show the enemy that we actually do have compassion for one another, that we'll draw the line on those things that are sinful, but we'll embrace those that were misled and misguided to walk them back to the body of Christ and into the arms of Father, that we will be the representatives of kingdom forgiveness, and that as we do that, we shred the enemy's power and leave them weak and vulnerable. And then we know our targets. And that is where the greatest victory begins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these times that we share. And thank you for the reflections that we've had. We are a, a people right now that so many carry wounds. Some are deeply wounded, others are broken. We struggle with a time and a war that's been waged upon us, not by our choice, but unfortunately in such an overwhelming way that we've lost touch with our unity as a people and our strength on the rock of faith and with the, within the body of Christ. We've seen the deceptions being, being used, the persuasions to try to convince us that we are weak. We've seen the effectiveness of campaigns to have people question the relationship with you and even try to say that the Bible is just a story or just a fiction. Father, we pray tonight for a remnant and for a nation. For a remnant to raise up the nation for a remnant to reach out and listen to the nation, to pray with the nation, to inspire a nation, to read the gospel with the nation, to share the word, and to show the strength of overcoming, the joy which we have in each of our hearts, and to inspire the many not to walk in darkness and feel like they're pushing snow uphill, but rather to be free and to seek that freedom through the examples of others that have already been set free. Father, in this time, we pray for the strength of those hearts to be inspiring to others, to be encouraging to others, and to step in where need be, regardless of whether it's part of a community effort or an individual effort to step in and do the right thing, to help one another, to raise that up, to strengthen that, that, that body of Christ as one rises, many follow, and to help people get back on their feet so that we're not looking at a wounded or damaged rank, but we're looking at a healed and mighty rank that once again feels the spark of the fires of righteousness and the rekindled drive to pursue Jesus and to crush the enemy. We're on the path, Father. You've put us here. 
And you brought us here in this time to be and to live really for just this sort of time. We, Unexpected as it may be, we are living through one of the most amazing moments in human history. For that, we are deeply humbled. And may the strength of that moment and may the encouragement of what that means settle in on everyone's hearts to realize that of all the epochs and time to be born, you chose us to be here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the sacrifices made. Thank you for the blood spilled on our behalf. Thank you for the blessings given. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So in all this, if we put our eyes more to each other, we'll find a way to heal this in a way greater than the damage that they do. There's obviously, if you're watching, targeted groups right now. They're going after key groups. They're playing this, what I call the Luciferian pendulum. They're puppeteering people in to hate one another and to create lasting scars. We talked earlier in the previous show about the black youth that were that beat up a teacher at Houston. I don't know what they're doing with the black youth. I know that the technologies they've had have proven that they can target African descent easily. I don't know how, I don't know why. I know why, but I don't know how. This is part of their racial cleansing war. Trust me. And where you have to be careful where we walk and how we find fall in those traps, not to fall in the traps of hatred, but to call out evil and misdeeds as they are, but to pray obviously for healing. And that continues with the butchering of children to turn them into these transgender abominations, mentally screwed up on drugs and physically mutilated. They want those scars to be there forever. The perpetrators of the crime deserve a one-way ticket to hell. That's probably me talking more than God, but I don't think God would disagree on all that. But the victims of these fights and the victims of these manipulations, they too need healing. And as we are able to work with them to heal through our prayers and to have them embrace the true walk with Father God. We are literally cutting the enemy and destroying them with a thousand cuts. We take away what was theirs as a prize and we restore it within the mightiness of kingdom. That to me is a strategy moving forward to literally destroy this enemy one slice at a time. And in so doing, become truly a remnant that can proclaim overcomer. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you 
tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body